This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates New England Operations, and we're glad you could join us again today. Remember, you can find all the Ringler Radio shows at ringlerassociates.com or thelegaltalknetwork.com. Well, the Ringler Radio crew and I are here at the 2006 ATLA convention in beautiful downtown Seattle, Washington, and I must say we are very impressed with this place. And speaking of being impressed, I'm very lucky to have as my co-host today a wonderful colleague and friend for a long time, Cindy Shanley. And Cindy's a Ringler associate here based in Louisville, Kentucky, with more than 25 years' experience both as, a, as an executive with the life insurance industry and also as a structured settlement broker. And it's certainly a pleasure to have you here today, Cindy. Thank you, Larry. You know, being from Louisville, Cindy, it brings back a lot of those great memories of that Kentucky Derby yeah. we, when we went to a few of them, and that's quite a quite an event. It, it is, and uh, we miss you there, Larry. <laughs> I wish I was back, believe me. Well, here at the Atlet Convention, we're uh, dealing with a lot of issues of importance to attorneys all across the country, and one of those is our topic on the show today, and Cindy, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, Larry, we're going to talk a little bit about nursing home abuse today, and uh, as you know, baby boomers are reaching retirement age Faster and faster. I'm one of those boomers. Uh, me and my, I know it very, very well. <laughs> um, and more and more people are going to be forced to either look at the question of whether they need to go into a nursing home or whether they need to place their parents into a nursing home. Well, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately rather, we hear uh, case after case of elderly residents being abused by the people who are hired to care for them, and it's really become a national disgrace uh, Absolutely. And you can say that our, our guest host, our guest today, has dedicated her career to helping elderly residents and those who have been abused and their families. We have here today Attorney Martha Marie Eastman. She's from Louisville, Kentucky. Martha's law practice focuses on nursing home negligence and medical malpractice. Welcome to Ringler Radio, Martha. Thanks, Cindy. Well, Martha, this is a very disturbing topic. Uh, and why don't you tell us just how common is abuse in these nursing homes? Well, unfortunately, Larry, it's very common. Uh, the U.S. Congress has determined that 90% of the nursing homes in this country are understaffed, and it would take each nursing home, they would have to hire 50% more staff to, to meet the minimum requires of the re requirements of the residents. Another interesting fact is I really don't think that we know how common it is because not everybody brings a lawsuit. Yeah. In, in fact, that's very, very rare. Most people in nursing homes don't have anybody to go visit them, so we don't really know how pervasive it is. Now, the state may find out about abuse for people that don't visit them, but generally the people that we find out about are the ones who visit the nursing home. Right. So we really don't know. Is neglect or actual physical abuse a bigger problem? Well, I, I think it depends on how you look at it. I think it depends. Neglect is, is something that just, you know, people aren't paying attention to. I think that, that it's sort of the same thing in a nursing home situation because when you're not paying attention to the residents in the nursing home, it becomes abuse. So neglect very quickly turns into abuse. The, we don't, we don't prosecute cases where there's a mistake, which is what I would call neglect. 
we prosecute cases where it's pervasive and big problems and actual abuse cases. You know, sometimes neglect, as I have found, leads to abuse. Uh, I had a case where uh, a woman was just neglected for days and days and days, and she was laying there in her in her own excrement. It was just it was just heart terrible. With she was developing decubitus ulcers, et cetera, and. And you're right. Nobody was coming to visit her, and, and she, she got neglected, and ultimately a, a lawsuit was brought. But uh, abuse gets uh, gets prosecuted, I, I guess, from time to time, and you see that. I mean, that's what you do. You you'd go out there and try to bring uh, lawsuits on behalf of these uh, of these folks, right? Absolutely, and unfortunately, even if the family visits all the time, which most of my clients do, these things can still happen. If you're you're a man and you're going to visit your grandma or your mother, you're not looking at her bottom every day. In right. fact, you're probably never going to look at her bottom, so you don't know if she's laying in her excrement and you don't know if she has pressure sores. Mm -hmm. Most of my clients will go to the nursing home four, five, seven times a week, and they have no idea mm. that their loved one is being treated like that. The um, nurses and nurse aides will come and tell me after they're no longer working at the nursing homes that when the family comes, they act differently yeah, when the no family question. is there. No so. question about it. Man, I bet you've just seen some really horrible cases. Can you tell us about a case that sticks out in your mind that you can share with us? Well, to tell you the truth, all, all the cases stick out in my mind. Um, and, and unfortunately, they're all kind of the same. But one, one case I'm working on right now, a woman was in the nursing home for 13 months um, because the family could not stop her from falling and hurting herself. And ironically, in the 13 months that she was there, she fell 12 times, and the 12 times that she fell, or eight of the 12 times she fell, she fractured things, so she broke things. Mm. Eight of the 12 times that she fell were times where she was specifically supposed to be watched, like when she was eating or on the toilet or whatever. What happened the final fall was a nurse aide went and put her on the toilet and then walked away. Oh, <laughs> and so wow. my client had a subdural hematoma and died. Um, now, the real question is, <laughs> why did the nurse aide walk away? And, and that, that's, that's my job. Fortunately, I found that out because the police investigated it. She walked away because another resident needed help. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? They were understaffed. The interesting part about that case, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away here, but I did put this in the complaint, is during the time that this happened, the nursing home corporation was selling itself. Okay, yes. so, <laughs> so they were very understaffed. They were keeping the staff down and the cost down so that they, they could make profits. The CEO and president, and a lot of people don't think nursing homes make a lot of money, but it is big business. The um, CEO and president of that nursing home, same time this was happening, sued the company because the company was going to fire him. So he sued the company for $10 million for wrongful termination. So it was just all about making money. Yeah, it was a money issue. Well, I assume that looks can be deceiving sometimes. Uh, I guess uh, abuse can occur both at the state-assisted kind of homes and uh, some of the more exclusive ones as well. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think that abuse is, is necessarily where you are. Most of the most of the places, though, are state-assisted mm -hmm. in some way, Medicare, Medicaid, or something like that, yeah. Okay, good. Who is often the defendant accused of this abuse? Is it, you talked about AIDS, but is it also nurses, doctors, the... Generally, in the cases that I prosecute, it's, it's the corporations because the corporations are the ones that are making the decision on the staffing levels. Um, people that work in nursing homes, in my experience, are some of the nicest people I have ever met. Hmm. And one of the saddest things that happens with nursing home care is you have a lot of young people, a lot of older people that want to work in nursing homes. They feel compelled to do that, just like I feel compelled to be a lawyer, and they can't do it. <laughs> 
because there's not enough staff. And so they go work at the Wendy's or something. They said, I can't do this. I can't watch people being abused. So they're not even able to do their life dream just like you and I are because these corporations won't staff the facilities adequately. Well, you know, it's uh, important to catch, just like diseases, it's important to catch these uh, things in the early stages. And, and this element of abuse uh, in the early stages would be helpful. How can we help our audience understand uh, to recognize some signs of, of abuse if they go to nursing homes? What are some of the things that people should look for as they go into nursing homes? Well, I think the first step is to, to really check out the nursing home and to talk to other families who have family members at the nursing home and really kind of interview them to see how open is the staff talking to you, does the staff think it's okay if you come all the time? Can you make surprise visits and stuff like that? The second thing that you need to do, and it really shouldn't be our responsibility to do it, but since you asked me the question, I will tell you, you need to get on the Internet and you need to take a look at what the, the state has said about the places mm-hmm. and do your homework that way. Um, the other thing that you really need to do is visit a lot and, and you know go at different times of the day. Now, that doesn't mean it's still not going to happen because I have people that did that and they, they do everything – that Medicare recommends that you do, and there's still problems. But those are the things that you can do. Well, can some if somebody comes to the nursing home to look uh, at a loved one, uh, oftentimes are they going to see it all, or, or is it sometimes hidden or from view, or, or, or how does that work? Uh, that's a good question. It depends. I mean, if it's uh, I know if somebody gets a pressure sore or a ulcer on the foot, they might not see it because they have a boot on or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you have a, a situation where you can do a head to body, you know, a, a top. A, head-to-toe assessment, <laughs> right. you know, you can do that. Really shouldn't be your job, but, you know, you could do that. Um, falls, you need to make sure they report the falls to you, go in, and sometimes they don't do that. So I have a case right now where they didn't report the fall and the woman ended up dying. So ask about that. Try to get to know the roommates. Try to get to know the roommate's family so everybody kind of takes care of each other. However, even in these situations, you still have problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one of my cases, a woman had been in the nursing home for a couple of years, Family went every single day. Family brought cookies to the nurses. Family gave the nurses Christmas presents. Um, mom got stuck between the side rail and the bed and st- got strangled. Mm. So you, mm. no matter what you do, no matter, they're still dangerous places because they didn't know the side rails were up at night, the family. You know, Martha, I had a case last year. It, it wasn't an elderly patient. It was someone that was fairly young and... Um, uh, one of the questions that I was asking myself because of the situation it was actually a molestation case was um, are nursing homes monitored by federal agencies or any kind of agency at all because they had hired this guy without a background check. So the, the employee, so I was just kind of wondering about that. Nursing homes are one of the most highly regulated industries that we have in this country, which is why it's really a mystery why this stuff keeps happening. If a nursing home takes Medicare or Medicaid, then the state has a right to go in and survey, not a right. The state is going to go in and have an annual survey. If a family member suspects abuse of their family person or of their um, their uh, somebody else in the nursing home, they can call the state, and the state will go in to do an investigation. So they are really monitored. Um, OBRA is the federal law that actually tells the nursing homes what they have to do, the, the level of care that they have to provide. It's very, very specific. It's very protective. Congress has been very, very interested in this for a long time. And then the states also have their own regulations that are usually more restrictive than OBRA is. Well, let's get a little specific here. What what if a family member comes into a nursing home, looks at the uh, their relative, and suspects abuse? Uh, what what specific, specific steps should they then take? Should they go to the management or should they go to some outside agency first? How do they do that? 
What I would suggest and what I do suggest when people call me with that scenario is first you go to the DON, the director of nursing. And if it's really, really, really bad, get the person out of the nursing home as soon as you can. However, if it's something that you think that they can control, then go to the DON. Unfortunately, the stories I hear all over the state of Kentucky are we went to the DON, she reassured us, she promised us things would change, and things didn't change. So my suggestion is usually to get them out of the nursing home. The second thing that I suggest people do is called the ombudsman. An ombudsman is somebody that sort of is a liaison between the family and the nursing home. And these folks are awesome people. <laughs> they don't they don't get paid much. They really help the families out. And number one, they can they can help move the family member into another facility, but they can also really go in to the nursing home and stick up for the family member. They're not the state. They're not going to write them up or anything like that, but they can go in and actually talk to the DON. If that doesn't work, <laughs> then you call the state. You definitely call the state to go, to go in, and hopefully they'll they'll uh, file a complaint against them. When, and then you can call me. When should it? Well, that was my next question. <laughs> well, when that's should? that's sort of the you know some of the saddest cases I hear about. Well, they're not that I guess not the saddest cases, but are when people will call me and someone has been abused, but there's no quote injury, mm-hmm. and I'll say you know you're lucky, get them out of there because <laughs> there's no injury. But they're like, what about these other people in the nursing home? Because <laughs> yeah. we know that this is going on. I say, you know, I just can't get involved because there's not an injury. Call the ombudsman, call the state, get an investigation going because there's nothing I can do about that. Well, let's say somebody comes to you with a specific complaint and they hire you as their attorney. What what kind of steps are you going to take in, in, in the action against the nursing home? What do, what do you do? Um, well, I, I meet with the client for a long time, and I do what I call a gentle cross-examination of the client to make sure that they, they had their own responsibility in this and this, that, and the other. And then uh, I get the medical records. I get the nursing home records. I think every nursing home in Kentucky knows who I am because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sending out requests all the time. Now, I will say um, about nine out of the ten cases I get, I don't take because <laughs> I get the records. I get the hospital records. you you got to compare the two, see how the records go with the family story, see if they make sense and stuff like that. And then I um, just start prosecuting the case. Do most nursing home cases settle out of court? Yes, they sure do. And I think that's because the uh, nursing homes at such risk since they are usually understaffed. And um, I've been able to prove that in every case I've had is the understaffing. So they're at very high risk for losing a lot of money. And if they do the kinds of things you're talking about, they should lose some money. I mean, that's, that's the problem that they face. Well, let's take a short break right now. Ringler Radio will be back in 60 seconds with much more on this very interesting topic of nursing home abuse from attorney Martha Eastman from Louisville. This is Ringler Radio, Internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. 
Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, along with my co-host, Cindy Shanley of Ringler Associates in Louisville, Kentucky. And, of course, our special guest, Attorney Martha Eastman, also from Louisville. Well, Martha, you know, my daughters tell me that if I'm very good to them, that uh, someday when they put me in a nursing home, they'll come and bathe me twice a week. And uh, I think that's wonderful of them. But what should a family look for if they try to find a nursing home for a loved one? I want to make sure my daughters pick the right one. Well, um, one of the things I never do is, is recommend a nursing home. <laughs> I, have to, I have to make that clear from the very from the very start. However, my research and my talk with nursing home people has shown that the smaller the nursing home, mm-hmm. the better. The less residents, the less patients in the facility, the better, because it's more like a family environment in those places. So you want to look for a small place. You want to look for something close, which is a lot of problems for people in Kentucky and the rural areas because there's only one or two that are close. Right. Because you want to be able to go visit, number one, because you want to visit, <laughs> number two, because, you know, you want to be with your family member, but also sort of to keep an eye on things. So well, you want to make it close. And expense must be a big, big issue, uh, trying to find the right facility, those small boutique facilities might cost a lot. Yeah, they're usually private pay facilities, but um, a lot of people now, including my parents, have bought nursing home insurance. I mm. told them they're not going to use it, but, <laughs> they, uh, you know, so there is nursing home insurance now because, of course, in order to qualify for Medicaid, which pays for most of the nursing home care in this country, you have to have less than, you know, X amount of money right. in order to qualify, so... I actually did a structure last week on an 85-year-old man, but it was mainly so they could afford to go into the nursing home they wanted to go into for he and his wife. So, you know, it it was a good alternative for them because they didn't want to go into a Medicaid facility. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You talked about a little bit earlier about doing research on the Internet about a nursing home. Um, Are there any agencies out there that rate nursing homes? Yeah, there are sure our Medicare does, and it's called Member of the Family. If you just go to go to the Internet and you type in Member of the Family, it'll come up, and you can actually see all the deficiencies that the nursing home has had. And that's state done. It's it's federally done, and so you can sort of, you can kind of count on that. You don't want to say, you know, a lot of the, the nursing homes, <laughs> including some of the worst in the country, say they're the best in the country. And you also cannot be fooled by what it looks like, what the nursing home looks like at all. <laughs> Now, it's nice to have a nice-smelling nursing home and stuff like that, but that still doesn't mean it's a nice place. Well, that brings up a good point. What are the signs of a poorly run facility? I mean, I, you mentioned the just the odor. You go into a nursing home, and sometimes, you know, not to be crude, but it smells like the urine is out there. And, and you go into another facility, and it smells like baby powder, and you say, this place is great. So what, what, what would you look for as a sign of a poorly run facility? Well, first of all, the smell, as you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the cleanliness, which isn't necessarily related to smell. I would also um, really check out the attitudes of the nurses and, and, and the nurse aides, too, because when you're have, when somebody's taking care of you, it's much nicer to be taking care of somebody that's in a good mood. 
And I really think that that would be very important to me if, if I was choosing a nursing home to see if, if the aides felt uh, real comfortable. I would go in. And it's it's not really like putting your, your child in daycare, but it's a little bit like that. You want to go in and take a look at the activity room and how clean is that, um, the items that they're going to be um, using, cards and stuff like that, how clean are they? Martha, what other advice do you have for anyone who suspects of abuse? My first advice that I give everybody that suspects abuse is get them out of there. Um, because if, if somebody is being abused, not necessarily neglected or somebody that's made a mistake, but if they're being abused, it's going to go on. That's it, it, something that I don't care how many times a family member goes to the DON or the administrator and how many promises they make, it is going to continue. It's not going to get any better because of the understaffing problems. So I would definitely get them out of there. I would call the ombudsman and I would also call the state. And is there any more advice that you have for people looking for a facility? And I know you don't recommend it, but... <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that it's necessary, and I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that as boldly as I did, because there may come a time where if something were to happen to my family member and you medically cannot take care of them, you have to be responsible and put them in a facility. <laughs> There's a lot of people in nursing homes that are being put in the facility because it would be irresponsible to try to take care of them at home. And so I, I shouldn't be so bold when I say that. But um, if I were going to choose a facility, I would look at the size. I would look at the people in there. I would hope that maybe there's some other people in there that I know. And then I would start um, forming alliances with the other family members so we, we could all kind of look after each other. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, my, my wife happens to be a medical social worker, and, and she's often told me that in America today, if you grow old, you better be either very rich or very poor. If you're in that middle ground you know, you, where you're not eligible for Medicaid and you don't have the funds to, to do what you want to do, in some of those more boutique uh, environments, you're stuck. You've got a real problem, and if you don't have family members to take care of you, it's, it's a real problem. Cindy, what you mentioned before about doing a structured settlement to help the individual have the funds to be able to move forward in that nursing home is something that, you know, if that person ultimately has a problem and has a, a lawsuit or, 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 a, or a loss or a claim, the ability to have those funds out there tax-free for that person are, are, is a big, 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 big important thing it's, for them It's to very have. helpful. Well, you know, I don't want to be on a downer for the entire day here. Uh, what I want to do, Martha, just let's end this on a more positive note. Um, there are so many lawyers here at Atla, you know, but basically most of them are men. And uh, here you are, a very successful woman lawyer in, uh, in Louisville. How do you attribute your success uh, in, in, in a male-dominated field, let's say? Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. And I want to say I love men, so <laughs> this doesn't have any and, and I love being a woman. Um, one of the most important things... And Sounds piece, like a country song, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Right. Yeah. One of the most important you know, pieces of advice I would give to, to women lawyers is you have to have your own firm. I started my own business a few years ago, and ever since then I've, I've been able to take off, and, and there's no more ceiling anymore. Having said that, however, I think that a, a trial team of a man and woman is, is the perfect trial team. doesn't mm -hmm. matter who's the head honcho or whatever because juries really relate to that. I also think that um, I am... 41 now. <laughs> I'm not 40 anymore, which is good. And, and I think in our 20s, we take ourselves too seriously as women. I think I came out of law school when I tried to be a guy and I, try, I tried to be all serious. And, Did you and wear I, a bow tie and a little no. suit and all that? <laughs> no, but I sort of dress like a guy too. And in, in the last five years, I've just really gotten in touch with my femininity. And I think that that comes across in front of jurors mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I really think that although it is a male-dominated profession, the more of a woman I am, the more successful I am because I'm more myself. 
there's this great book that I just got done reading. It's called How to Pitch Like a Girl. And it's how to be successful in the business um, world, but be a woman at the same time. So it's, it's, it's a really good book I'd recommend Sounds to people. Sounds like good advice. Yeah. I can totally relate. In the structure <laughs> business, yes. when I started a long, long time ago, um, I was the only woman. Right, Larry? Yes, you were. Yes, and, you were. And um, I... I actually did face a little old school thinking back in those days. Uh, uh, how about you? Did you? I, I get a lot of old school thinking, but fortunately, in the plaintiff's world, there's if we're if we're old school, we're losing. So there's not a lot of old school thought. When I worked at law firms, I got quite a bit of that, not only from the men but from the women as well. When I started having children, I got a lot of that from the women. Like, are you going to still keep working and stuff like that? But uh, you know, like I said, I think the key is to have your own business. <laughs> I agree. Well, I agree too. You know, I have two uh, lovely daughters, and they're now out there and successful. And uh, you know, I've always been really high on the uh, those issues of uh, pretending to women in business. So let me ask you finally: Is it still tougher for a woman to be successful in the legal profession, or or or? Is it a matter of the individual personality like it would be with any man to be successful? I think it's tougher, and one of the reasons I think it's tougher, and I'm not trying to make excuses or be negative here, is because it's still very much a good old boys network when it comes to you know referring cases and stuff like that, too. I think a lot of um, people, and I think they're wrong, but I also think that they don't think juries like women, and jurors really like women as long as they're women and they're not trying to be men. <laughs> So I think that, you know, there, it is still difficult because of some, some uh, preconceptions. I think, you know, when women start having children, too, it's kind of difficult, although I've heard jurors love pregnant women. Um, <laughs> but it is. It, it's very, very time-consuming. And being a plaintiff's lawyer, it's very obsessive. It's very, com you know, you have to have a lot of passion for it. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> that takes you away from your kids a whole lot. So you really need a supportive uh, husband as well. Exactly. Well, passion's good in every uh, profession for sure. Well, this has been a great show, uh, both on the issue of the nursing home abuse and also some insights into being a, a very successful uh, woman uh, attorney. I'd like to thank uh, Martha Eastman for being with us today and Cindy certainly for being a great co-host. I want to thank you as well. Martha, what's the best way for anyone to get in touch with you if they want to talk more? Um, email would probably be the best way. It's uh, Eastman, E-A-S-T-M-A-N, at EastmanLawOffice.com. And what about you, Cindy? Email is also a good way for me. It's C Chanley, C C H A N L E Y at ringlerassociates.com or toll free 877 288 0741. And once again, you can reach all Ringler Associates on ringlerassociates.com. Tune into Ringler Radio on ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com. And, Cindy, if I need uh, Kentucky Derby tickets, I'm calling you. Hey, man, I can get them. You I'm got calling it. you, too. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, everyone else, have a great day and enjoy yourself. Bye-bye. <laughs> thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity.